You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. So we're in a series entitled uh, The Gospel Effect. So if you got your Bibles or if you have your phone, whatever you want to click on there, we're going to read a good bit from John today, uh, quite a bit. So if you just want to find that spot, John's Gospel, and then um, I'm going to read some other scriptures to you, but... The, the main context, I'm going to read quite a bit out of John. Like, I'm going to read uh, probably a couple of chapters. So you just kind of either follow along with your version of the Bible that you have, or we'll put it on the screen, but you probably won't be able to keep up uh, with me clicking through that. Okay, so, but just in John's Gospel, that's where we'll be. So, we're going to be talking today about uh, this guy named Pilate, uh, Pontius Pilate, and how the Gospel, how did it affect his life when he encountered Jesus Christ? And so, uh, in the context of that, you know, his famous question is about truth. That's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. And um, that when I was a kid, it's an interesting thing about truth. Truth, um, it it can stand on its own, but, you know, if it, it needs something else with it. And um, that's the word grace. And so you'll see this as we read through here. So there's this idea of grace and truth. They, they're they like a two-sided coin. If you have a, I don't have a you know quarter. My the youngest one, she had to get offering this morning, so she's digging through everything. All the loose change she's got, she's going for everything. And I was like, what? You know, she's breaking through the little bank she has. And I said, man, you know, whose money is that? She goes, mine. Oh, okay. All right, if it's your money, okay, that's fine. She's doing through that and getting ready, you know, to, to do her to her offering. And if I could, I would have brought one, but she was not going to let me have one of her coins for illustration purposes. But you may not use quarters very often anymore. I know there are, most of us using digital money a lot, and more and more it's probably going to be that way, uh, like it or not. But... But loose change, you'll see on one side there's heads and tails, you know. it's There's two sides to every coin. And if you don't have a coin that is a truthful coin, an accurate coin, it's not going to work. Now, believe me, I know this for a fact. Uh, so my grandma's here, a little fess-up time, sorry. But uh, when I was a kid, we had my grandparents at grocery stores. And so my grandfather, <laughs> I would watch these guys come along and load up the, we call them Coke boxes. And I don't know what you call these things now, vending machines is what they're called. We called them Coke boxes, okay? You go get a Coke out of the Coke box. And my kids wouldn't, I don't even know if they've used one of the things anymore. But nonetheless, um, you go through, and I watched the Coke man would throw in all these, you know, loaded up. I mean, racks of Coke. You know, for a kid, it's like, I didn't get Cokes a lot. My, my grandfather was pretty adamant about, no, I might have one Coke a year. That's his philosophy. So we didn't drink a lot of Cokes. I've made up for it since. But um, so we're... We were watching these guys and watching this guy going, man, that's a lot of Cokes. Man, I could really load up. My thought was, man, if I had as many Cokes as this guy, I could probably sell them to my buddies. I could probably undercut him. You know, he's going for, I think at that time, the Cokes was like maybe 50 cents. I don't know, something like that. And I was thinking, man, I could probably go in for half and, you know, really make some money. So my guy, my idea was, now understand, I was probably like maybe third grade or less. And my mind was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how to get those Cokes at like cost or less. So I don't know where these came from. If you're an electrician, you know what this is. I don't know how to describe this to you if you're not in construction. These are called knockout plugs on gang boxes. If you ever work on something, there's these little round. They're almost the size of a quarter. You pop them out. Grommet goes in there for the wire and all that kind of stuff. Well, these were metal. I mean, they were perfectly round. I don't know where we got these from. Here's a box of knockout plugs in the back of the hardware section of the grocery store. And I'm thinking, I'm going to try <laughs> to see what happens. So here I am with my little box of knockout plugs. Dink. Nothing. Oh, man. Dink. You know, nothing. So I'm going through. You know, when that coat guy came back next week, I don't know how many of those grommets I did, but I would as many as I could. I never could get that thing to work no matter how hard. And it's almost the size of a quarter. Believe me, they have technology even in the 80s that they knew the difference between a fake that look like a coin and a real true coin. And I say that because you know this as well as I do. Counterfeit money might look like real money, but it won't work like real money. And even if someone does get through with it and makes a transaction, it, once it goes through the reserve and they see it, or someone picks it up with that light, whatever it is, they know the difference. Man, they trace it back. They can find you. You think they can find you with digital money. They can, they find out people using fake money too. So, when you use truth, it, it usually is accompanied with grace. You'll see grace and truth a lot of times in the Bible. But when I say that, this isn't about grace today as much as it's about truth. Truth is a constant. Truth is not a variable. And regardless of what a Kardashian says, 
you might have your own version of the truth, but it don't mean it's the truth. That's not truth. That's called an opinion. A truth is constant. That's why it's called true north. It always works. Get a compass out and try and see. No matter what you do, stand on your head, lay down, I don't go swimming, whatever you want. The compass will always line up whichever direction. If you follow it, it will always come back and go to true north every single time. Gravity always works. I mean, my kids were watching the day when uh, the spaceships were going off their head and this new thing with uh, the, the SpaceX kind of thing. I hadn't seen a spaceship like that. I mean, it was a pretty big deal. I don't know if you saw it, but massive spaceship, the biggest ever taken off. I mean, it was crazy to watch. I've got my kids, we're like, watch this. You know, I remember last time I watched a you know spaceship like that take off was like the Challenger. And, you know, that was an awful thing to see as a kid in school. But, but nonetheless, that was kind of, I was glued to this. I was like, this is so cool. And I'm watching this rocket do, and then, you know, all of a sudden it starts going this way and doing weird stuff and they had to detonate because it was off course. But they said, we learned so much about this. What happened? Well, eventually gravity, because of the problem with the rocket, gravity took over and it came down. If you don't break out of the Earth's atmosphere, no matter what you think about it, gravity is a constant. It's holding every one of you in seats right now. You, you can jump, but you're coming back down. You know, the littlest one always asks, I don't know where, why this idea, I think it was her, maybe it might, she might have got it from the older one, I don't know. But what if, you know, you think God can make me a bird? I'm like, "Mm, no. Why not? Because you're a human, you're a girl, you're not a bird, and he doesn't make humans into birds. That's like, not happening. Yeah, but if he did, could I fly? Honey, no. If a bird can fly, you can't be made into a bird and fly. It doesn't work like that. Because truth is constant. Birds have to land in trees. A bird can't fly forever. There are some things, and I just say this because truth is a constant. In our culture today, in our world, it's being challenged to say that, well, truth is a variable. It's not a variable. I teach my kids. Well, I, <laughs> Haley teaches our kids. I don't teach our kids. I try in some things. But when it comes to the math especially, oh, my goodness, she definitely is the one helping them try to understand all of this different kind of math that's out there now. But my little illustration I give to them is, listen, math always works no matter what. If it's wrong, you're wrong. Math's never wrong. It always works. And I always give an illustration. Put the woman, I say if it's an astronaut and she's in the, you know, the, the spaceship, your job in math is to put the woman on the moon. If, you, if your math is wrong, she didn't make it. Like the, the girl's out there in space somewhere. She's not made it to the moon. Your destination should be checked. Math can be checked, verified. If it's the right answer, you can prove it. And it's right. If you're wrong, that girl did not make it to the moon. And I don't know how many times Ava told me, Dad, she didn't make it. You know, she, she didn't make it. And one day she comes into me, it's like this super, like, I can't do this stuff. I mean, I, I could if I sit down long enough, but I don't, this is not my world. And she said, Dad, She's on the moon. <laughs> she made it. <laughs> you know, she was so fired up and I was too. So, but truth is a constant. And I just want to encourage you this. If you have a coin, when you look at heads or tails, truth is a constant. Grace is always present with it. But if you have truth alone, it can be very harsh and rigid. But if you have grace by itself, it's so willy nilly that it doesn't hold anything. It's so fake. You have to have both for it to work. And so this is why in Proverbs 3.3 3 it says, and just hold your place in John. I'll put this a couple of scriptures on the screen for you. Proverbs 3.3, 3, it says, let not mercy. The word mercy here could be, you could use the word grace in this, in, this, in this word here. But New King James says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, <clears throat> write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. That means truth works both with God and with man. Mercy does too, but we're so much more familiar with mercy and, and grace. And we think, you know, especially in Christianity, it's the, I, I do not like this expression that people say, we, we, we got to walk in love because it's not clear what people mean by that. I understand what scripture says. Um, we are called to love. Yes. But when people say, well, you just got to walk in love. A lot of times it's been used against me. Well, no, you just don't want to hear the truth. Now, I'm sorry, you can't cheat on your spouse. That's not, biblically, you can't do that. Well, you just need to walk in love with me during this time. No, I don't. I don't need to walk in love with you. And matter of fact, if, it were, if she would listen to me, I'd tell you, get out. Kick your butt to the road right now. I mean, I'm not, I have very little mercy with this kind of stuff. 
Because I see what it does to people's families. Now, I'll walk with you through it as long as they're willing, but it takes two to tango. And when I see somebody that's just wanting to, all about them and me and, you know, it's their fault and they don't take any responsibility, that's not two people tangoing. That's one selfish individual that don't want to deal with their junk, right? So we're going to work it out. Yes, we can walk in love, but don't expect me to compromise on the truth because you want excuses. Do y'all see what I'm saying? So truth can be very harsh. That's pretty tough, Pastor Jody. Well, love is also tough. I mean, I don't know if anybody, when you discipline your children, that you go in there with your kids, and if you ever heard this, I, this is what I heard. This is going to hurt me a lot worse than it hurts you. And I thought, that's a lie. It does not hurt you until I became a parent. And it's hard. It's hard to discipline your kids. It's hard to steer them on the place that you feel is the right thing to do when everything else is swimming against you. When culture says one thing and scripture says another, what will you do? It's not easy to do. You do have to have both truth and grace. You can't have one without the other, but it doesn't mean you compromise the truth while you're dealing with a difficult situation. Can we all agree? Yeah, good. Okay, so this guy, Pilate, uh, we'll call him a governor, best way I can describe it in our culture. He was a governor, if you will, the region in which he was in. Pilate in John 18, that's where we're going to... Uh, kind of pick up the story of Pilate. You see this with Jesus. Most often he's uh, viewed with the trial of Jesus. That's probably, maybe, you may not know this, that, that may be the only place you've heard of this man. He has other historical references to him. Some are in the Bible and others outside of the Bible. He wasn't just this the only moment that he was ever in the Gospels. But nonetheless, this is the one that we're going to talk about. Okay, so John 18 and verse 28. And it says... <clears throat> Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium. Caiaphas was the high priest. Remember, Jesus was being tried by the Sanhedrin, if you will, the high priest. They were coming in along saying, this guy has got to be dealt with because he's taken everybody from our gatherings and everybody's listening to him. Basically, it's why. They did, they were jealous. And so he goes into the praetorium. This is the place of the government um, uh, residence, if you will, or the place of authority. Uh, in one place, it's actually referred to as the Bema seat. If you see that in other places in Scripture, it's called the judgment seat, and it's a place of judgment. So he's into this praetorium, and it says this, that the Jews, it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, because the Jews, you understand, it was coming up to Passover. If they went in there with a the Gentile, they're defiled, can't participate in Passover. And I find this very interesting. They're willing to to lie about an individual Jesus to save their own skin, but they're so stenched in truth that they wouldn't even go into the residence to talk to Pilate about maybe converting. You know, there were this idea that Jewish people were so secluded and said we couldn't have anything to do with anybody. There is references in the Bible, but they were to influence people for God. The Sabbath, for instance, wasn't a legalistic thing. It was intended to say, this is a blessing to you from God. You don't have to work one day. And by doing so, because they shut down their shop six days, they were blessed over the seven that the Gentiles worked. It was to be an inspiration to the Gentiles to say, how do you do this? And they would turn to God. All throughout the Bible, you see this. The people would turn and follow. They weren't Jews, but they could turn and follow God. Some of them from Egypt left Egypt to follow Israel. It's all throughout the scripture. So this idea that you could never associate with anybody, they took it too far. Does that make sense, right? So I want you to know that because you can take the truth so far that there is no mercy. So he says, they're telling us they're afraid to go in because it's going to be defiled and they might not be able to eat the Passover. Verse 29, therefore Pilate has to go out to them and said, what accusation do you bring to me against this man, a Jesus? And they said unto him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Where's the accusation? Did you know? See, they're so bound by the truth, and yet when it came time to deliver it, they couldn't. Well, he's an evildoer. You know, and, and, our, and you know this as well as I do today. Man, I get so tired of this because some little group of people says something, and because they said it, well, it must be true. Why don't they take the time to find out if it's even true? Somebody puts one thing on the internet about somebody and people just fly, oh, they must be true. It may not even be a real person. I mean, given today, it's some robot, you know, doing it. You don't know. 
Stuff is so, and you wonder why Jesus, why did God have Jesus in the time in which he did? Because back then people had put pen to paper. Now, who, if he had been present today, if he had came today instead of 2,000 years ago, people could have said, well, that's a deep fake. It's some computer-generated model. It's not even Jesus. You, the brilliance of God in all of this, but these men were so stenched in their truth. They couldn't even bring a truthful accusation against him. So verse 31, so Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your law. And the Jews said to him, we are not permitted to put anyone to death. So this fulfilled the words of Jesus, which he spoke, signifying by what kind of death he was about to die. Therefore, Pilate entered again into the praetorium and he summoned Jesus and he said, now, here's what I find interesting. Jesus, yes, he was a prisoner. He said nothing about going in the building. He wasn't afraid of it. You say, well, that was Jesus. Well, he was the one, out of everybody in this whole group, we all know he was the one that was without sin. He walked right into there. Because he's not afraid. One thing about the truth is this. If it's the truth, you don't have to be afraid. If it's a story, if it's a lie, if it's some kind of false thing, yeah, you might have a hard time standing in the presence of, you know, an accusation. But when it's truth, he's not afraid at all. And so Pilate says to him, verse 33, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? And Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus said, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the thank you. Because all these people, (laughs) I love what our... The culture who wants to have things just be accepted paint Jesus out to be some like kind, sweet, he just lets everything go, it's okay, you're okay, I'm okay, let's just have a kumbaya moment. According to what Jesus said, he came to testify to the truth. And we already said truth is constant. It doesn't vary it's not a variable. It doesn't change. Doesn't change with the culture, doesn't change with what people like, doesn't change with what's popular or not popular. Truth is constant. And Jesus said, I come to testify to the truth. Now, here's the interesting thing about what he says next. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Remember what he said in John 10? You know, the sheep hear my voice. He's the good shepherd and the sheep hear his voice. And he, they listen. They hear what he says. And if Pilate says to him, what then is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Now, here's the governor of the province that he is in authority. The Jews are under, regardless of what they think, they were completely submitted. They they were in complete under a complete authority of the Roman government at this time. Pilate, though, the way this expresses in the context of the scripture right here, it reads like Pilate is, you know, well, he's searching. It, he could be. I mean, if you're in the presence of Jesus, I'm sure there's some soul searching going on. But he asks this question, what is truth? And I just thought, you know, I, I wanted to try to break this down a little bit first. What is truth? Again, because like I said, I mean, I heard a Kardashian the other day on a commercial. Everybody has their own version of the truth. Well, I'm sorry, honey. No, it's not true. You, a, a version of the truth isn't the truth. That's a version of an opinion. It's Because truth is truth. And, you know, in the words of Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth, right? I mean, most of us cannot handle it. It's hard because when we're confronted with the truth, if it weren't for grace, every one of us right now would not be able to come in here and stand in his presence and worship. Thanks be unto God for the grace and the mercy of God. But just because we've been given grace, my brothers and sisters does not mean we no longer look to the truth. The grace is what gives you the ability to accept the truth. 
We don't hide from it. We don't shun it. We don't, uh, I'm afraid of it. No. So what is truth? Well, I wonder if Pilate was listening to so long to the Roman culture that he began searching. I mean, this guy had everything. Power. He had money. He had everything that you think status would give you, and yet he does not know what the truth is. He has no understanding of this. And he asks, what is truth? And here, he is about to make a judgment on a man based on truth or a false accusation. He does not know which is what. He's examining the facts. He's looking at evidence. But do you understand? This was a false accusation against Jesus. It, you do not bear false witness against your brother. This is breaking one of the Ten Commandments. They just did it. And Pilate is having to distinguish between what is, what is this truth or, or is this false? And I don't know. So how and how do you understand and what is truth? I, I wonder sometimes if we are so overwhelmed with information today that we find ourselves questioning everything because of this vast expanse of knowledge that we've gained. Just in the last couple of years, the amount of knowledge that has multiplied not really multiplied, I should say this because knowledge is always present, but that has become available to you. Like you no longer, just to be 100% transparent with this right now, you really don't have to understand and memorize scripture because you could just Google it just like that and tell somebody the answer. It's that available. And now with everything else that's coming out, I mean, you know, now you're just going to tell your device, hey, listen, I need, you know, give me five scriptures on this. It's just kind of unique season that we're in. And I wonder sometimes if, because of what we see, what we hear, all the stuff that's out there, if it's just overwhelming us. So we no longer really remember what is the truth. Well, when Jesus expressed this about truth, he said this in John 1 and verse 14. So you can back up a couple of verses there. But John chapter 1 and verse 14. Now, this is God's word. I'll off my paper. <clears throat> this is God's word. And I know... In, this is what we call the canonization of Scripture. These are the ones, the books of the Bible that we all have. They were compiled into one. Uh, and the reason for this is because translators, those in authority of Scripture, those who read with numerous, numerous people comparing contrasting Scriptures and notes, and many, many copies of on papyrus paper, they viewed this, some on stone, they viewed this and they said, these are the things that fit that you can't make this up. You can't take something written 2,000 years before Jesus and it lines up with some things that he says and then afterwards that Paul says and others and it just all these different authors, it shouldn't, it shouldn't work. It should not work with that many different authors. That's why in the Muslim faith, you have one author because you can't argue with that. But see, God's not afraid of the truth, so therefore he gives you many, 66 different books and numerous different authors. Because he's not afraid of the truth. He doesn't mind you digging and comparing and actually evaluating, is it true? It's not based on one man's word. Jesus actually said, out of the mouth of two or three shall every word be established, not one. And so when it comes to truth, this is what Jesus said. And the word became flesh, not this paper, but his words were before the paper. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of, watch this, the two-sided coin, grace and truth. Jesus didn't come with just blue eyes and a halo around His head. He came to proclaim the truth of God's Word. That's why He would say things like, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. It wasn't just John the Baptist out there preaching this. Jesus preached it too. Go look up Matthew chapter 4. But it says this, John testified about him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Watch this for verse 16. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, that's talking about the law, but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So you can take the law to say all kind of stuff, but truth is truth no matter what. And when he says we have received of grace and grace for his fullness, we have received and grace upon grace. I put the statement up for you so you can understand what it means. It is grace, the goodwill of God towards us, 
and the good work of God in us. How, can we just all agree right now, if there's anything that good comes out of you, anything that you do for God, anything that you have done for God, can we all agree that's God working in you? Wouldn't we all agree that, I mean, no matter how good I try, no matter what I do, that I try to live for the Lord, if it was good and it blessed you and you said, man, God really helped me, then it was from God. Because ain't none of us that good. And that's why in Philippians it says, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13, it says, For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's working in you, he's working through you, he's working around you, and anytime there's anything good, James says, my brothers, listen, every good and perfect gift comes from where? From above, not from human intellect, not because I studied a lot, it was from God. And we have to remember that. The word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. Truth became flesh. And he dwelt, when, when Jesus says that stuff that's in red, that he read, when he would speak and we put it in red, that is the truth of his word, the very essence of who he is. Now, we may have a hard time understanding their culture. We may have a difficult time breaking it down. But I'm going to tell you, no matter what, the truth is still the truth. No matter what. So, in John 14, 6, Jesus says this to Thomas. He says, Thomas, I'm the way and the truth and the life. And can we just all agree as believers this morning, no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Amen. No one. So you have to settle this as a believer right now. Here's a truth to you right now. If you're in the room and you question, you say, well, I just don't know if I agree with that. I'm, I, I love you enough to tell you the truth. Then you are wrong. Yeah, but what about Muhammad? What about him? He's a copycat. I can't believe you'd say that. I said, it. I don't care. It's false. It's not true. It's fake. And there are Christians today trying to get along with it and say, well, you know, there's probably some stuff in there that's true. You, a fact is a fact. That doesn't make it truth. The fact is, a rocket got off the ground, but the truth is gravity came back and never moved. It's, it took over the fact. You might get a rocket off the ground, but if you want to come back, unless you break the atmosphere, you're coming back down. Jump out of an airplane. You have a parachute. That's great. You're coming down. A fact may be a fact, but the truth is a constant and many of the stuff that you see in Islam, it, it, it's, just a, it's just a lot of copying. Most every other religion you look at, if you read any of it, you'll see copies all throughout. Where do they get that from? I love how now they're now they're good because they can't deny that the evidence is so overwhelming about a great flood that no longer can super smart people with lots of letters behind their names no longer deny the flood. So now here's what they're saying. Well, every civilization has told stories about this great flood. Well, where do you think they got it from? <laughs> I mean, there was only a few people left to tell the story. So they had to start. They knew because it, it straight out of here is where you start. This is truth. Like God, you know, he tells the truth. God speaks the truth. He's not the one lying. Let every man be a liar, that scripture says. God is truth. We're the ones that have this, you know, inability to always go straight and narrow. So the truth is, Jesus is the only way. And Pilate, <clears throat> he couldn't see this because he was bound by the world and its methods. So let me tell you a little bit about Pilate and maybe give you some context to him. And I had to write this down because it was it's too much. I, you, I would encourage you to go and just read some stuff. There's a book called, uh, his name is Josephus. Now, <laughs> you may think, well, that sounds kind of funny. It would be Joseph. Uh, it's not Bocephus or nothing like that. I know it sounds a little different in our culture. But Josephus, it's called the Antiquities of Josephus or the Writings of Josephus or Josephus, the, the historian. There's, some, there's a couple of different books, different things. But it's his writings. He was uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica, if you will, of the day. And so when you wrote these things, you had to verify they were factual. You couldn't just write things in their day and time. It, you were bound by what you said. And if, if you messed around kind of fudge stuff like with things like this i mean you didn't last very long so some of the stories of of, of Pilate. let me give you a couple of thoughts on him right in his first offense to the jews you won't find this um in the gospels this is historical writings okay in his first offense to the jews uh he brought in these roman images of the emperor into jerusalem now other governors had came in they never did this Pilate was the first to do it 
Now, why do you think he did it? It's a good question, right? Why, why would you do it if no one else did? Why you? And so the Jews got so outraged about this, they came to him. They said, please, please take these out of Jerusalem. It's our holy city. Please, please don't do this. And Josephus writes that he said, I did it, and they're staying. And if you guys don't get out of here, I'm going to cut every one of your heads off. So this, the writings that go about him, is his, his signal, he brought all these soldiers into the crowd. His signal, they were going to draw their swords, cut the Jews to pieces if they didn't allow Caesar's image. The Jews fell down together. They exposed their necks. They said they would rather die than transgress their law. Now watch this. Pilate, not desiring a revolution, decided to remove the images from Jerusalem and move on. Now, I'll give you some other ones, but it might give you a little clue about him a little bit. Second conflict, this occurred after Pilate took funds from sacred treasury to build aqueducts. Uh, and if you've ever been in, around Israel, you'll see these things. The Romans built aqueducts everywhere. When Pilate visited Jerusalem, his actions caused uproar among the Jews. He mixed his own soldiers into the crowd disguised as civilians. At his signal, they beat the protesters with clubs. Many Jews died from their beatings or were trampled on by the crowd. Now, why did he hide his guys? I mean, you're Rome. You don't have to hide anything. We, we had this. I was talking to one of our officers this week. We were doing a memorial uh, this last week. And uh, I was talking to him and <clears throat> some different things. that he, he had different things that we were talking about that had been going on. And I said, you know what's funny? If the Romans were here today, there's a lot of this noise. You, you wouldn't even know how to handle, in our culture today, what they would put out. Because, buddy, they didn't mess around. There's none of this like, let's talk about it, let's figure it out. No, it's just, it will be done. If they said it, boom, they did it. This guy's a little different. Like, you didn't have to hide out in civilian clothes. If you wanted to handle some business, you just dealt with your stuff. And these are the same guys that, that to prove a point, to prove a point, at the last of the insurrection, after the resurrection of Christ, there was the zealots who went up to the top of this mountain called Masada in Israel. And held out at one of King Herod's little, you know, palace things. They held, held out up there, over a thousand of them. They held out. It took the Romans, I can't remember the timeline now, maybe one to two years, to build enough rock ramps to get up to the top of this thing to deal with them. You think a thousand people, what's that matter? To the Romans, you, you know, would not submit and listen to us. We're going to deal with you. And they all took their lives before they got up there, but they would have killed them. Almost to build rock ramps to get to the top of a mountain to deal with some like insurrectionists. They just did not mess around. But Pilate, it's almost like he was a little wishy washy. Like, you know, one minute he comes out talking pretty bold and brash. And then, like, oh man, I want a resurrection because if that happens, and I'm going to hear it from headquarters, well, I better not do. So then another conflict this is a writer by the name of Philo. He describes this incident where Pilate, in an attempt to honor the imperial Tiberius, kind of get a little more idea about him, right? Oh, now he's to impress the boss. So he places these shields bearing the emperor's name in the former palace of Herod in Jerusalem. By placing the shields in the headquarters of the Roman administration and not the temple, <coughs> he was attempting not to offend the Jews. Oh, sorry, this is Herod. Herod did this before. He was attempting not to offend the Jews, but Pilate decided to do it. And so... The leading Jews, along with four of Herod's sons, requested that Pilate remove the shields. When he refused, they appealed to Emperor Tiberius by the letter, sent him documents. Tiberius was so infuriated and ordered Pilate to remove the shields and place them at the temple of Augustus at Caesarea. His attempt to honor the very person backfired so much that he now is getting reprimanded by his boss. There's one last record of conflict that's, that's recorded. It's resulted in Pilate's removal from office. Now watch, this is when a Samaritan false prophet led his followers to Mount Gerizim, claiming to show them Moses' sacred vessels. Pilate blocked their route with cavalry and armed men. Some followers were able to flee, but others were killed and taken prisoner. The most prominent men were executed. The Samaritans appealed to Vitellius, the prefect of Syria. He was the governor of Syria, if you will. Vitellius sent Marcellus to temporarily take over Judea and ordered Pilate to stand before the emperor in Rome to answer the accusations of the Jews. This took place at the end of AD 36 or beginning of AD 37, and he arrived in Rome after Tiberius' death. Nonetheless, he, the, most likely he says he was exiled to France due to this. The guy was just a weirdo. 
I mean, one minute, you know, so when you read the account in the Gospels, you think when he says, what is truth? And all these movies we have, it, it paints a picture of him like, what is truth? Jesus. Like he's struggling with doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Maybe he was, I really don't know. My guess is by reading this, he's one minute he's against him, one minute he's trying to save face, one minute, he's like, he reminds me of that kind of brassy bully, you know, that talks a lot but can't back up anything. You know what I'm talking about? And then he's all talk, all barking no bite until somebody else pops him one time, then all of a sudden he shuts up. It kind of reminds me of that. Maybe he was searching, I don't know. But there's an indication in Luke, this is one of the things he did. You can read this later, I don't have this on the screen for but Luke 13. It says this about him. There were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. He literally killed some of the Galileans, mixed their blood with some of the sacrifices of the animals. I mean, the guy was a little off. And what's the point? Why provoke stuff? I don't know if he's insecure. I don't know what his issue was. But when I read this, when he asks the questions, what is truth? I think that when Jesus talked to him, maybe he did get it. I don't know. But I'm wondering if he's sitting there back and forth. Because in his own mind, what he's dealing with, maybe he's a little playing a game of cat and mouse. I don't know what the thing was he was doing. Was he searching for God or was he not? But nonetheless, when Jesus says he's the truth... It was the plan of God for him to be crucified, but Pilate didn't really step up for Jesus all the way. He said, I don't find this man guilty. I find him innocent. But watch this. He put the blood back on their hands. He, he didn't, he just seemed like he didn't want to take the responsibility. And I'm telling you, when it's truth, you have to take the responsibility. It's true. No sense in making up stories, you know, like, I mean, we just dealt with this thing this weekend and I, you know, it, it just blows me away what, what we say sometimes. And we had a repair done on one of our cars and nobody local, nothing like that, but something was broken on the car and they didn't say anything and they didn't tell my wife, like they said they would tell her before they leave and. So when I called and I called and called, I said, hey, listen, this thing is broken. Uh, the person actually said, well, I didn't think it was that big a deal. Well, now I don't know where you're from or what goes through your mind like in moments like that. But I just, it's almost like, what? So I said, you don't think it's a big deal? Hmm. I said, well, tell you what, bud. That's my wife's car. It's a pretty big deal. Oh, I mean, I mean, what I meant was, what I meant was, I meant like I was going to find a part and call you later and let you know. Oh, okay. So you was going to call me later. I just thought you said it wasn't a big deal. Well, that's what I meant. What I just forgot and I forgot. I said, well, you didn't even tell her bye. You're supposed to tell her bye before you leave. You just left. Oh, was I supposed to do that? That's what you told me you would do. And it's not holding people to a standard that's not unforgivable. I told him, I said, hey, man, listen, listen, brother, listen, I am not angry. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. Well, I can come back. I said, no, I don't want you to come back. Because at this point, I don't trust you. Not because you broke a piece. Breaking a, have you ever broken anything? I have broken stuff. Oh, my goodness. I've broken so many things. I don't even know. It, it used to be a technician, too. I, you know, I've broken stuff I'm working on that wasn't the thing I was working on. You know what I'm saying? Now you got to tell the homeowner, oh my gosh, listen, I broke this. I know it wasn't the part you needed, but I broke this too. What, you got to, I got to buy two things? No, I'm going to take care of this part. I try to do my best to make it right. It's on me. I'm not perfect at that, but I try. But man, when you can, you see somebody fishtailing and like kind of, that's not what I meant. And then, and, 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 I'm sorry, I don't need you working on my cars. I don't know what you're doing next. I'm not sure what else you might try and do that I don't know about. As a matter of fact, it makes me wonder now what you did while you were there. Now I'm looking at everything that you did because I'm going like, now, is that right? Is this right? I don't know. Because you made me question why. Because it wasn't the truth. See, it's okay if we make mistakes. It's okay if we fall short. 
Just don't lie about it when you're caught. You know, fess up to it. Tell people the truth. Don't like, you know, backpedal like a crawdad in the mud. You know what I'm saying? Just keep like, nah, 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 nah. Be responsible. That's, we are supposed to be, even to our own hurt. The scripture tells us this, that listen, if somebody is a brother in the Lord, if they're in the room and nothing like this is going on, but if they were, if they're sitting right beside you, if it's a brother in the Lord and you're a brother and y'all in business and they're trying to sue you, best thing you can possibly do is come before the elders and work it out. Deal with it. That's what Christians do. And if you can't, better thing for you to do is just, is just move on. Instead of trying to run it through the court. Because it won't work out in your favor usually. It, it's a mess. That's in your Bible. I didn't make that up. It's in your Bible. Corinthians, go read. It Proverbs says this. A man swears by his own name even to his own hurt. It means if I tell you I'm going to, and I hate it when I do this. You ever done this? You know you say, yeah, I'll do it. And then after you said it, oh, no. No, I really didn't want to do that. But now you're, so one of two things has to happen. The scripture gives you an out. But you got to go to them and you got to beg them and plead with them to ask them if they will release you from what you've agreed to do. But you know what most of the time we do? We hide from it. I don't want to talk. Oh, man, now, and now we don't come to church or what they see. Oh, man, just deal with it. Let's just deal with it and, and move on. The truth is necessary and it, it, responsibility is a part of it. So anyway, so the truth is there, and in every case, the source of truth. What is truth? Truth comes from his word. If you want to know what truth is, you look at his word. Man, there's truth in there for your marriage. There's truth in there for your business. There's truth in there for your family, for your kids, for everything. And what does truth bring? Number two, let me just real quick, I'm going to go through these. It brings freedom. You know, I, I don't know how many times I heard, well, truth is so judgmental. It's not judgmental. Unless you're using it in a judgmental way. How's it judgmental? Your kid decides, you know, that they think they might be a bird. You going to let them climb the tree and find out? Or are you going to tell them the truth? I'm going to tell them the truth. Yeah, but I won't hurt their feelings. You're a terrible parent. I'm going to straight up tell you right now, in my case, no one else has told you. If your kid has never been mad at you, you're a terrible parent. They should hate your guts at least once a week. There's no way you can parent and your kids just like walk in the room and they're like, everybody's like, hey, I just love my dad and mom. If your kid has never said, I'm mad at my parents, there's something wrong. Every one of my kids, they told me to my face. I'm just don't want to talk about it right now. I'm just mad at you. Well, okay then. Can we talk about it in five minutes or whatever? But we talk about it. You deal with it. You got to get it out. But truth brings freedom. Pilate knew that the truth was Jesus, I think. And that he was speaking, but the fear of the mob and their threats caused him to ignore the truth. I'm, not, I'm just going to be real with y'all this morning. Can we, I'm so tired of this minority mob mentality that's going around. That, oh, God forbid Pastor Jody says anything different than what the public wants to hear. Or God forbid you say something that doesn't line up to everybody's little agenda. Hey man, listen, I'm sorry. But if it offends them, I am so sorry. But the truth is the truth. And I'm going to worship Jesus, and I'm going to pray to Jesus, and I'm going to call myself a believer in Jesus Christ, whether people do or don't like it. And if they ask me the question about something like Islam, yes, I will say it is a false religion. I do not care, and I don't bother me. Just, I'm sorry. Well, I wouldn't dare say that. Then you're afraid of the truth. And I'm not being mean when I say that just telling you the truth well i wouldn't dare question somebody's preference on their gender i'm sorry god created us male and the it don't get much more simple than this y'all i did construction you can't take a male fitting and attach it to a male fitting you need a female fitting common sense oh but i wouldn't dare say that what if somebody says something if we don't start telling people something our kids are going to not know anything about what is accurate. A dude can't have a kid. A woman births a child. A dude cannot produce a child. Oh, well, you stepping on some stuff now, aren't you? 
it, in my world, I grew up around livestock. It was common sense. There's a reason why in a pasture, you don't have a hundred bulls. You put one bull in the pasture, he makes his rounds, and they take him out, and he goes to the slaughterhouse. That's just how it works for a cow. It's just, I mean, for a bull, he, it's just short lived, man. He may have some fun, but it is short lived. You know what I'm saying? All the female cows, they have calves. That's how it works. And I'm just, and I don't mean to be like, um, like I'm trying to start some kind of something. I'm not. But I have these conversations with my kiddos. I mean, you got to, kids ask you a question, I'm going to tell them the truth. It's just that simple. But it's not simple if you're afraid of it. It, And I'm sorry, but that, Jesus said he created us male and female. It's in the Bible. Even Jesus said it's in red. And marriage is between a man and a woman. It's very, there's nothing complicated about this until you fear the truth. And when you fear the truth, then it gets complicated. Anyway, but truth brings freedom. So this is what Jesus said, John 8, 31. I'm just going to read this to you, but you go back and read some more again later and, and look at it. But John 8, 31. And you might think to yourself, well, isn't that harsh what you just said? No. It's not harsh. If I had a technician and he's trying to attach a male pipe to a male pipe... I would say, listen, bud, it doesn't work like that. You can't do that. Well, I just feel like I can. Well, you can feel like you want all you want. But based on the code, international mechanical code, you can't do it. It's amazing to me how things like that work in society that we don't question. You don't question the mechanical codes that put in your boiler systems, your furnaces, and everything else. No, because that's got, no, because I don't want to blow up the house. But because somebody's feelings are different, we're, we're going to give in to it. It's just ridiculous. I've never heard so much craziness in my life. John eight thirty one says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, these are people who believed in him. Watch what he says. If you continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue... In my word. Now, Hebrews says this. I don't have it on the screen for you, but I was reading this this morning, and uh, I just thought, man, I'm going to read this to you if I can remember where. But I think it's in Hebrews 2. What's this? Uh, Hebrews 2, chapter 1, uh, chapter 2, and verse 1. So we must listen carefully, very carefully, to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Huh. We must listen very carefully to the truth that we've heard, or we might drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think if we can escape, if we ignore so great a salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself, then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? Now that's to believers. You know the truth, truth sets you free if you continue in his word. Then they went on to kind of, you know, get in this conversation. Who are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved to anyone while enslaved to the Romans? I love it. How is it that you say you will become free? And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave doesn't remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you're free indeed. I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. These are really, you go back and read this some more later. But, I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you have heard from your father. And they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to him, if you're Abraham's kids, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we are not born of fornication as a jab to him. Because, you know, he's born of God. But everybody made fun of him saying Mary had a little man on the side. And it wasn't Joseph. So they're, what not to, you mess with mama. Guys, is it not true? Like all of a sudden, that might have been one of those, like, he never sinned. That right there might have been like, he, he might have had to do some praying real quick. Okay, I see how real temptation is, because you know he wanted to slap this guy. You can mess with his mama. 
He says, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I've not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. Now, why can't they hear his word? There it is. They, they, they cannot receive the truth because they're not his. Which tells me, listen to me, if we're his, you can handle the truth. But if you're not his, you can't handle the truth. That is something to consider. That is really something to consider. So he says, why do you not understand what I'm saying? It's because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. You think I said something tough. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Oh, I didn't think it was a big deal. No, that's not what I meant. I meant I was going to call you and tell you it wasn't a bill because I was going to get a part. Truth, man. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you are not of God. And the Jews answered him and said, Do we not say rightly that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? And Jesus said, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. But I do not seek my glory. There is one who seeks and judges. And truly I say unto you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died. The prophets died too, whom you do make yourself out to be. And Jesus said, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. And you have not come to know Him, but I know Him. And if I say that I do not know Him, I will be a liar like you. If you think I just said something tough, this Jesus would have, no wonder He offended so many people, because He spoke the truth. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have, and, and have seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And for that, they picked up stones to stone him to death, but he hid himself and went out of the temple. Can I, can I just express a couple of thoughts to you real quick? You've heard this statement, well, truth hurts, Right? Same we've all said or you've heard it before. Man, truth hurts. Hurts. I want to hear the truth because it hurts. What about this? What if I'm saying it hurts? What if we said the truth helps? I mean, instead of letting somebody go because they have feelings and, and they decide and they're under your care. And you're an adult and they're a kid. Listen to everybody else around them, tell them what they got to be and become and this and that and the other. And get them down some track that's going to hurt them. What if you as a parent spoke the truth and helped them? What if you're married to that spouse instead of making excuses and, you know, never talking about anything? What if you just talked and had communication? Say some truth. Now, you can say the truth, but can I just give you some advice if it's a spouse? Think about how you're going to say the truth. Just saying, you know, make a sandwich or something, you know, two pieces of bread, put honey in the middle. I don't know what you got, but think about how you say what you say, but speak the truth. You know, if you've ever been on a curvy road, I was reading this about, um, I'm not sure why it popped up, but uh, oh, the PGA Championship, that's what it was, about um, this accident that Tiger Woods had had years ago. And uh, I don't know if you saw it. My goodness, I didn't know it was this extreme. Uh, I see now why he had all the surgeries and whatnot. It showed a picture of the car. I mean, it's an absolute miracle that he even lived through it. But on the road that they talked about on this road, it was a, it's a, like a kind of an odd downhill turn to the right. And numerous accidents happen there because they don't see the curve. They, they miss the curve and 
they go off the side of the embankment and they have wrecks. Have you ever seen the kind of curves, though, that when you're driving along, there are these metal railings that go around? They're, they're called guardrails. You, you know, you've seen them, right? I don't know if you've ever hit one before. <laughs> I've come close a few times. But the reason the guardrails are present, they're present to affirm something to you. Yeah, you, the, the truth is that is a curve, and no matter how much you think you can overtake the curve at speeds that exceed the limit, you can't. No, I can. No, okay. There's a point when you can't, though. Okay, maybe it says 40 and you do 50. You might can hold the curve. Okay. Do it at 60. Okay, maybe you got away with it. There comes a limit, though, where your speed exceeds the truth that your vehicle will hold the road. And the guardrail is there to slap your car so that you understand how serious the truth really is. It's not a, it's not a, it might or might not, it will happen. And therefore, they put these up everywhere for people. The truth is constant. It, you won't change it. You might get away with testing it. It may not seem like for a season that it works, but I'm telling you, the truth is constant. And that's why you can't get weary in well-doing. For a man or a woman shall reap if they sow. You don't quit just because tough things are tough. Well, because, well, I, I, you know, I prayed for them every day for the last five years. Well, keep praying. But what did Jesus say? Pray for them for five years and that's enough. He said, pray without ceasing. Actually, Paul probably said that. Peter, nonetheless, Jesus prayed. We should pray. I'm not going to quit praying just because it didn't work out my way. The truth is still the truth, regardless of what I see or feel. Now, listen, the, as we wrap up, I'm going to, you go back and read more in, in that reference of John and Pilate. But the truth builds a foundation. Now, Pastor Stevens is going to come up and close out in a minute, but. I just want to stress to you the importance of this. You are going to face numerous, numerous times in your life to either build your family on this truth or to compromise and give in to whatever's around you. And it happens all the time. Every day it happens, does it not? Well, you know... I know what God's word says, but. Well, no, it's I know what God's word says. Choose to do it or not. That's where our answer is. But it's a foundation. And you know Jesus said this about foundations. When you build your house, you have to dig down to bedrock. And that's where you form your, your, your structure on. And truth works on this. When you build a structure, there's no contractor out there that works off of this. Yeah, yeah, boys, I think that looks pretty good. Just, just, yep, yeah, it's a little to the right. Yeah, yeah. They use plumb bobs, they use levels, they use ta- all kinds of measurements to make sure that it is square and it is right. Because you cannot just wing it. Can I just encourage you this morning? You cannot wing life. There's one thing I, would, I never thought I would ever be in a situation where I would see the vast amount of opinions, questions, confusion, things that people call beliefs, and they actually stick. Because most of it is just common sense. You don't even need a Bible for it. So, in those times, when you're confused or you're questioning or you don't know what to do, can I encourage you to go back to this? Go in there with your kids, man. When you talk with your children, tell them why. This is what the Bible says. This is what God's Word says, so that's why we do it. You know, I, we... Baby girls, we don't go to church because your daddy's a pastor. We go to church because the Lord asks us to come and worship him. 
That's why we do it. Because we don't give, you know, we don't tithe because we're pastors. It's foolishness. Why would I, why would I do that? Because I'm a pa- that makes no sense. Do it because the Lord asks me to. So therefore, I gladly give the tenth. I do what I do because I'm trying to follow Jesus, not because I'm a title or a position or anything else. And I wonder if what's happened is, for so long in our nation, culture was Christianity. And now that culture's shifted. And that's not really the culture now. So now it's, the reality's setting in that, well, culture might not be cool to be a Christian. So what am I going to do with that? And I say it to you out of the most sincere way I can, out of the most deepest love I can, choose Christ. And choose life because when everything else fails, he says his words will endure forever. So can I pray for you this morning? Would you close your eyes and back <clears throat> just for a moment? Dear Jesus, I want to thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your words, that your words are true. God, I just thank you that <clears throat> whatever words I've spoken that uh, not of you or, or, or maybe didn't come across the way that you wanted, I just pray you'd help us uh, just you know, forget those things, let those things go, but hear your word today. Hear the truth and the essence of, of your word. Lord, I thank you that you said that there is no other way to the Father except through you. Life comes through Jesus Christ. You're the only man who ever came, died, gave of himself, shed his own blood for the remission of sins. No one else has ever done that. No other person has ever done that for humanity. So today, Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, you said in your word that you know by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if we are yours or we're from or not. And so this morning, I pray for every person in here or every person watching online broadcast. And if they don't know you this morning, I pray in Jesus' name right now, Holy Spirit, would you draw them to yourself. With your eyes closed, no one's looking around. I'm going to pray for you, and the whole church is going to pray with you. But I would like for you to repeat this prayer with me. The scriptures say that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. For confession is made into salvation. With the heart, man believes, but confession is made into salvation. So right now, you say, I need to accept Christ as my Savior. I I don't understand everything. I, I understand that there's so much confusion out there. I want to hear the truth. I want to know the truth. But I need Jesus first. I I don't know where to start without Christ. So right now, would you just pray this prayer with me and everyone in this room? Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, we're so proud of you. You prayed that prayer right, church. Just give him a hand, please. <clears throat> so proud of you. On the screen, there's some information about our church, and we'd love to help you get started walking with God. If you're a new believer, or maybe you're here and you're watching online, maybe, and you want to know more about the church, if you go to connect.cornerstonerom.com, just fill it out for us. You can do it digital, or you can do it in the seat back in front of you. Either way, and drop it off in the offering boxes on the way out. Uh, that'd be fun. We'd love to do that for you. And just get any information you might want about uh, the church. And so uh, I'm actually going to... Oh, Gary's coming. Okay, good. Gary's going to close out. Stephen was, but we had a change here. So Gary's coming up. Would y'all please welcome Gary up here this morning? <clears throat> Pitch hitter. Thank you, Pastor. I often get confused for Stephen anyway, so... It's, a, it's, a, it's an honest mistake. <laughs> Hey, our prayer partners are coming up front. Uh, if you need prayer after service, these folks would be love to pray with you. If this is the very first time you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, come up and tell one of these folks here. They want to pray with you. You know, it's a good thing that Pastor talked about truth today. I was going to, what I was going to close with today, uh, talking about giving, and we're so thankful that, that our, we have a generous church here, and a lot of different ways you can give. You can give online. There's offering boxes in the back you can give as well. You know, the truth of it is that if you're a part of this church, if you're part of this family here, um, it's biblical truth that you support the church with your tithes. So I'm going to read this today without any comment or anything else because I think it's very important if you are tithing. Thank you. If you're not, I think your life will be transformed 
if you start doing this. And if you doubt me, you can come and talk to me sometime, and I'll give you numerous examples in this body where I've seen lives transformed when couples have started to tithe. It's out of Malachi. It says, well, a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me. And the people asked, how are we robbing you? Did you ever think you were robbing God? I don't think any one of us want to do that. And it says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. And then it says, bring the whole tithe, which is 10% in the Bible of your income, into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the Lord tells you this. This isn't Gary. This says, says the Lord Almighty, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's what our God does for us. When we begin to tithe our income and give generously, God pours out so much blessing on you, not just financially, but in all your relationships. Uh, God will bless you abundantly. Let's stand. I'm going to, out of Numbers chapter 6, we're going to dismiss. May Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards you this morning and give you His peace. It's been great being with you here today. Have a great week. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.